and welcome to episode 30 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, is Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who had a low-key crush on Tiffany Amber Thiessen, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So, uh, listeners, uh, we've said farewell to Arthas, as you are aware from our previous episode. Um, and part of what Sabaiku and I thought we would do with the uh, empty third chair was try to open it up to uh, important community members, give them an opportunity, try to invite in some guest hosts here and there. Not all the time, but but when it was possible. So that you get to hear more than just the two of us windbags talking all the time. Uh, and I am thrilled, thrilled to tell you that our first guest host is none other than the number one player in the Heroes League as we speak, the one and only Thomas Petri. Thomas, how's it going? Great. How about yourself? I couldn't be more excited. Um this is actually a rather fun episode to have you on because we just got hit, I think, what, not even 12 hours ago now, right? Like seven hours ago, we got hit with the patch notes for the upcoming May changes. And guys, I think we should just dive right in and just sort of say, what do you think? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go. First up, we have some balance changes. We'll go through these one by one. The first is to the ironclad staple Green Gale Serpents. Green Gale Serpents now has the same buff ability it's always had, that it buffs itself the same amount, and it buffs a friendly dragon, but there's now a requirement that that friendly dragon be surrounding instead of just anywhere else on the board. Uh, I'll throw this one to Thomas first. Thomas, what do you think of the, the nerf? All right, so unfortunately, I don't think it's going to do enough to Green Gale's um, just power level overall. I've been trying to play uh, Ironclad Dragons for a while now, and I don't want to see the uh, entire dragon theme um, disappear. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's like the only thing that this thing really did, but the overall power level of the card is still just a, a little bit too high in my opinion. So it's just, it's in a weird place. I, I think overall they didn't do enough. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to cut it. I think they're still going to have to uh, come after it at some point in the future to just scale it down a little bit further. Uh, yeah, a fair warning to everybody. This is a card I'm considering leveling up to level five. So be warned right now that another nerf might be incoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that this is just still a stupidly good card it's a staple in every ironclad deck that you see in the top leagues for a reason it gets so much value um you know you usually eat up two of your opponent's units and still have something left on the board afterward the buff to a friendly dragon was oftentimes just a bonus um, that was never really taken advantage of. Like sometimes you see Beasts of Terror or Eloth in another Ironclad deck, but it, it seems to be in the minority. Like you just run Green Gale because Green Gale is good on its own, not because of what it and how it interacts with the dragon synergy. I will say the one thing I do really like about this change is that by buffing a surrounding friendly dragon, it uh plays with the ironclad mechanic of uh geographically constrained buffs mm. you've got to be next to the unit That's that you're fair. buffing 
So that at least uh, thematically is very nice. But I think the power level of the card is pretty much completely unchanged. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with both of you. Um, I would say actually <laughs> there's, there's one small little nugget I'll put into this. Before April, so in March in the Heroes League and before that in Diamond 1, I don't think I ever saw a second dragon in a non-dragon themed ironclad deck, but I always saw Green Gale, right? Like it doesn't matter. I'm not running any other dragons. It's just the best three drop possible to play in the game. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But starting in April, once Murs got nerfed, I saw a lot more ironclad experimenting with that Murs slot. What am I going to put in there instead? And I've seen Eloth. I've seen Beasts of Terror as two of the maybe three or four different experimental let's try this kind of cards in that same spot. Yep. And you are seeing Embers of Chaos in there too now. Nuts! Uh, but but to, to that point then, suddenly in April, a card that was already a staple and already seeing play was suddenly adding additional value in a lot of the games that it wasn't the last month. So you could make a reasonable argument that Green Gale right now is better than it's ever been because even non-dragon themed dragon or ironclad decks are running a second dragon. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So there, there is an argument to be made there that um, Green Gale right now is getting a ton more value than it normally does. This helps to kind of put it back in its place. Well, I think this helps put it to maybe like 98% of its place. Uh, I don't I don't think that this does too much. It, it's still really just a great card and it is. Enjoy your enjoy your free fusion zones for having it leveled up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Congratulations. Exactly. Um, but I do agree. I do like the point about the thematic. Yeah, it feels a lot more like a debug loggers kind of a thing now, which is which is right. Okay, so moving on. Armed Schemers, which it turns out, uh, I went to Stormbound Kitty. It is a card in the game, uh, which <laughs> used to cost seven mana. <laughs> Apparently, uh, now is going to cost six mana for our, all your ironclad freaks out there who who love playing Armed Schemers. Um, but it's not just a buff. It is a burf uh, because the strength is dropping. Uh, it is currently seven, eight then 10, 12, 15, that's uh, levels 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Uh, so it goes from 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 to 6, 7, 8, 10, 12. Uh, so a pretty big drop in power at the top end. But when was the last time you saw a level 5 arm schemers played, Thomas? Literally never once, actually. <laughs> Oh, gosh. The ability is really interesting because it's unique, right? Like, it's the only way that you can move something across the board and deal damage to it at the same time. Yeah, Unless you you want to consider maybe, like, Eloth's fly to the enemy and deal damage as as a similar effect. Um, It does a lot of damage, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. It does three, four, five, six, seven damage. So you know, if you have it at max levels, it'll it'll pretty much kill anything that it snipes from across the board. Any opponent, any any unit that your opponent thinks that they're keeping safe, you can pull it and kill it. Is that enough to play it for six mana? I mean, so I will say that there are times where I need to move a defensively played unit, and I'm running ozone, for example, and ozone just 
doesn't move it anywhere. Like I can't, if I put ozone in the one spot that'll move it left or right so that my runner can go, that then turns into the one spot that my runner needed to be played is where the ozone is now. So there is an argument to be made to your point that like sucking the unit forward is actually kind of helpful. Yeah. My real take on this guys is that um if you are a person with like an average lo- you know level uh, in their library of let's say one and a half or two and a half somewhere in that range. Um, a lot of times you're just kind of left playing whatever happens to have hit level three already, right? Whatever you lucked into pack-wise. And before May of this year, if you happen to luck into a lot of armed schemers, I'm very sorry for you. Um, it's hard to try to make a card that's that expensive work uh, with low levels. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say about about your use case where it's like pulling a unit to move it out of the way it's a great idea it's just at six mana it's too much to combo with it six mana Correct. is too much well especially when it was seven it was worse but yeah no i I totally agree I, I think more than anything this is just if you happen to have it leveled up to like level three in an early library this is now a bit more playable I, i've had plenty of time to kind of think about it and um so it, it's not going to be like a game changer it's not going to be in 50 percent of the decks or more or anything like that but it will be in some decks. And the reason I say that is because of, take a look at, for some reason I cannot think of the top um, convert card in Shadowfen off the top of my head. Blood Ministers. Oh yeah, Blood Ministers. This card is essentially, this is essentially a Blood Ministers. They're both six mana. Even though you don't get this thing, you do get to snipe things from across the board rather than having to be forced to... um, put it in very, very awkward positions to be able to get the, the, the benefit. That's a good point. You, and you can't play around it as much, right? Like you can play exactly. around blood ministers by playing Extremely your units easily. in a row. Yep. Uh, you well, can't you can play, play around, around arm schemers by putting things in a row too, right? It, it, yeah, you can, uh, but I mean, yeah, like okay. you're still going to get 19 ish power um, for, for six mana, which I mean, that's still a great rate. So, so bad. I mean, this is, it's probably going to be in like 5%, maybe 10% of ironclad decks. It, it, it's not going to show up very often, but when it does, it, it's still going to um, do some damage to you. You know what it's going to be? We, we, we were, we, we mentioned this about Loris a couple of episodes ago that, that Loris was just starting to see additional play. And we were like, it's one of those cards where you don't normally see it, but when you see it, it devastates you because you've accidentally played into it. Exactly. Arm schemers might become the same kind of card where it's just like, oh, he plays that. Oh, geez. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I could 100% see that exactly happening with this thing. So so I think it will be in somewhere between 5 and 10% of Ironclad decks that you run into. Mostly for the surprise factor. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Mo- moving on, though. This is, this is the one that I'm quite... Uh, you know what? Let's flip this. I want to save the scary one for last. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Boomstick Officers first. Because Boomstick Officers uh, will now deal, uh, it currently deals 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, and hits any unit that's in its column behind it randomly. You don't know which. Now, instead of 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, it's going to deal 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Ooh, so a little bit of a, of a buff. But also, it will always hit the closest enemy behind instead of a random. 
So this is much more controllable. Thomas, is this a card you're going to be slipping into your Ironclad deck? <laughs> oh, man. It's just as ridiculous as basically Green Gale's um, change that this does literally nothing for the card, unfortunately. Uh, it's still a, a very... Well, I mean, so technically it's a three power to mana ratio at level five. Still terrible. <laughs> still hot garbage. <laughs> So it is more consistent now, but it can be pretty easily defeated through positioning. Either, number one, you just deny your opponent the front to play it. Uh, Number two, you just put something like Doppelbox or Toad Spam, uh, Shady Ghoul, something that can just eat up that attack in the spot behind the unit you want to protect if you know your opponent is playing it. Uh, I don't know why you would play around it because your opponent is very (laughs) unlikely to play it. But you could. If you wanted to. There is counterplay. (laughs) It it does do a lot of damage. It's basically going to be a two for one, right? Like It's got a big body that moves and also it deals a lot of damage to a consistent location. Whether or not you can take advantage of that it's it's very hard to for sure it's not a bad anti-rush card because your your rush opponent is going to leave you front you're going to be able to play this to clear something at your baseline and trade into the unit that's protecting it i don't know that i would run it over something like void searchers though or Mm -hmm. to the point you made earlier loris well well so in in a situation where your opponent has tucked a unit in your corner and then kitty corner protected it with the second unit boomstick works loris does not void surges does not yeah yes in a certain situation it is better than void surgers but most of the time your opponent is going to have enough on the board that void surgers will probably just be better also you could just have two units and and play two units and get the same kind of effect no no i only have six mana i can't play two units for six (laughs) mana (laughs) <laughs> well and when you're talking about like these kitty corner situations you got to think of the the factions where people are actually going to do that um obviously if you're playing shadow then nobody's going to do that kind of thing um they're not going to do it with winter either because of the uh frost hexers so that leaves you with ironclad and swarm obviously swarm is not going to be playing this that leaves ironclad which has armed schemers for the same mana cost anymore <laughs> That's true. Arm Schemers is just a better Boomstick officers now, right? True. Yeah. Oh man, Bo- poor Boomstick. They <laughs> oh, did this wow. once before, where they where they gave us a new card in Stoic, but then also gave like Freeze the same effect for better. So poor Boomstick. Here it is. It finally gets the buff it needs, and Arm Schemers just steps in and takes all the spotlight away. <laughs> that just blew my mind. <laughs> Arm schemer is better than another card now. <laughs> there, there you have it, folks. All right. So moving from there, this is the one that has me scared. And is especially, I think Thomas is uh, in the prime position to talk about this. Swarm Callers, guys, now cost three mana down from four. Its strength has been reduced from two, three, three, five, five. That's its base strength to one, two, two, three, three. So at level five, it's only a three base health, but boy, does it grow fast. So the ability remains unchanged here. It will gain uh, at level one, it will gain two strength for each bordering friendly satyr. And that increases uh, as you 
go from level one to five, two, two, three, three, four. So at level five, if you can get one proc off of it, you're getting a seven, one for three mana, which feels pretty good. That's better than a West Wind. Not as good as Link Golems. Fair. So, so Thomas, you've been playing a Zuri Swarm deck. That is correct. How how does this look like as a potential addition to that deck? Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go in the deck at all. Um, I, I've tried a million. Or, okay, not a million. I've, I've tried like three or four other three mana cost cards, and uh, that's when I was uh, hovering around the fourteen hundred hero score mark. It wasn't until I um, slotted that out with another two mana cost card that I instantly skyrocketed me up to the uh, just over sixteen hundred point mark. So. I will not be putting another three mana card in the deck. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, it does not go in mine, but that means that it goes into a lot of Swarm Rush decks. And I don't know if I'll have the ability to deal with this thing. This is a, a buff that really, really scares me for Swarm Rush, just blowing the meta out of the water. Yeah, I, I mean, Reckless has to be looking at this and thinking, you know, personal <laughs> servers is not that good. <laughs> not in comparison to this yep 100 so that so that is my take on the card is that it doesn't go in my deck but it really scares me for the decks that it's going to go into yeah mm. it's gonna it's gonna be really good you know we i did say earlier it doesn't compare favorably to link golems but that's only if you get one proc off of it if you can line up two now all of a sudden you're putting 11 strength for three mana on your opponent's baseline if you can line up three now it's 15 like that that's crazy and three is not unreasonable in a deck that runs something like you know shady ghoul that pops one out after it dies and you can play head start and lawless herd and doppelbox like restless goat it, it looks pretty good yeah there's a lot holy smokes there's a lot in that deck that can probably and those are just the cheap ones well that's what you're gonna play you could also try to take it in a more mid-range style right pan heralds and bucks and this thing well no matter what you're putting siege breakers in that deck because you got to play that card whenever you can yeah it's it is just anytime and it's so funny because um one of the things that i've been making an argument for for a while is we've become such a mid-range focused game because there's no rush I'm looking at this and thinking, wow, look at what this does. And I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Thomas. I'm like, wow, this might be too much. <laughs> this yeah. is this this is big. Uh um uh yeah, uh this is this is going to make certainly I think Reckless's deck is going to be very, very scary next month. Hey, he might be not top ten. I might be battling him next month with my Zuri Swarm. <laughs> That's totally possible. <laughs> I don't like your chances in that matchup. No. <laughs> That Zuri deck is fantastic, but it does struggle at playing defense. Um, you know, I've never found a variant personally that that does well, other than you know setting up Edric defensively and hoping that you get a good Dark Harvest afterward. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. I've tried I've tried playing Broken Truce in it just to shore up defensively, uh -oh. and it doesn't feel good either. Um, it's very possible that a lot of these slower mid-range decks are going to get run over by swarm callers because there's no good answer for it. Mm -hmm. Yep, I completely agree with that assessment. Well, we'll have to see for the time being. Let's just kind of hold our breath. <laughs> um, may maybe Green Gale will somehow save the day uh, and Ironclad will, will still be able to hold out. Um, moving on from there, we did get two new cards. They're both for winter pack, which is pretty exciting. 
ice flakes, which I really wish uh, that they had named frosted flakes because let me tell you, these are great. Uh, it is a common two drop. Health, three, four, five, six, seven. A two mana, seven strength at level five. However, it has a very interesting effect on play, which is it freezes itself. <laughs> Which I just love. I just, I don't know why. It seems like such a perfect winter pack card. Uh, it doesn't have movement for sure. And next turn it won't either. <laughs> Thomas, what do you think? So I'm actually high on this card. I, I think this will be a nice, very low cost card for winter. They've been needing this kind of help for a very long time. And actually looking at the stats right now, this could be kind of like winter's only counter to an early swarm callers. You guys Ooh. just mentioned that Swarm Callers off of one proc will be seven strength. You just throw your uh, Ice Flakes in front of the Swarm Callers. That would be great. Amazing, yeah. I like I, that. I, see, see my, my fantasy with this is on six. I put it um, on your second row on an interior column to proc a uh, Mistwives into the corner. Absolutely. That's where I get very excited for it. I agree. It's fantastic defensively. It clears the scrap planners, not for nothing. Your opponent plays scrap planners to clear one of your units. It heals itself back up to seven. You, for two mana, can just get rid of it. And realistically, most of the time, what they're clearing with scrap planners is, you know, like a gifted recruit or saber paws. So you can actually answer these scrapped planners for as much mana as they spend on it. And that's pretty rare. Uh, I can't yeah. think of another way to do that. Mm hmm. Yep, but yeah, so overall, uh, I like this card because, uh, I mean, it feels bad late game to uh, redraw your Fort of Ebonrock, um, but at least with this thing, it, it can eventually move forward after you've done your defensive uh, play with it. Eventually, just let it move forward and start threatening frontline. Eventually is the right word there. I love, <laughs> I love the design of this card. I love the mechanic. So it Sheepyard found a way to go... Uh, from one movement to basically negative movement where the, the it not only has zero movement next turn it also has zero movement it's delayed for a turn it's a great drawback uh i think the stats are perfect for it um you know i know that some people when the card was revealed were thinking it was going to be eight strength i think that would be too it much be i think that, i think that would be too strong uh yeah. i think i think they nailed it it's a nice progression from gifted recruits with five strength and one movement to lawless herd with six strength and zero movement to ice flakes with seven strength and zero plus zero movement. <laughs> we have to find a new way of discussing its lack of movement for two turns. But yes, no, I totally agree. Um, the one thing I will say is if ice flakes sees a ton of play, which I think it will, cause I'm hot on this card. I, mm -hmm. uh, your your Eloth play in Ironclad isn't getting you where you'd like it to anymore because your Green Guild never buffs it anymore. May I suggest going back to the Ozone Purifier Hysteria? Because boy, this thing is a good Hysteria target. You never have to worry about it getting too close to your baseline. <laughs> You'll always be able to cycle into your Ozone Purifiers in time. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. You open with this on three mana. You say, okay, I'm just going to drop this on my baseline. Your opponent has a chance to develop and then next turn still can play Hysteria on it. Correct. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. You play it. They're like, all right, well, I don't want to play Hysteria because I don't have green protos. 
So I'm just going to play two two health you or you know two two mana units. There's my four. You then play something in return, and they're like, "Oh, hey, look what's still on your baseline." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on from the uh, fantastic uh, 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 ice flakes, we get Glacier Palace, which is a rare. Uh, it is a uh, a tower four five six seven eight strength at four mana. It has a fantastic uh, ability as well, which is to freeze the most forward enemy unit. Thomas, I've got to ask you, why wasn't this the Temple of Ice? I have <laughs> for winter? no clue whatsoever. <laughs> Doesn't this just feel like this should have been the ta- the temple? Like this is this is exactly the heart of winter, and we got the, the the Temple of Vitality or whatever instead. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't like this card. I mean it. I think it'll be a good card. I, I think it'll get a decent amount of play, but I really, really do not like the uh, the concept of the card um, purely because of like a psychological aspect. The reason people don't like True Shot Post is because of the psychological aspect of it. Like when you're playing a card, um, it feels better when you're in a when an opponent plays something that progresses their game plan than. Um, reducing your game plan and that's what true shot post does and this thing will mm-hmm. do the same thing by if my opponent plays it they're eliminating me moving forward so it's going to feel like i'm not playing the game anymore and that's what people don't like about true shot and i think that's what they're not going to like about this card so i i think it's going to have a lot of people um very irritated with the card very soon well you hold on hold on uh wait, wait. When I when I'm playing against True Shot, a lot of times I like to just throw my green protos forward, kill it, right? Mm-hmm. That's okay because then I don't have to deal. Like I pay one mana, I don't have to worry about my opponent getting the benefit. Yep. Same thing I can do here, and in fact, it's even better because it doesn't go away. My opponent still has to clear it. They still have to put damage into that unit, but on top of that, they don't get the. It's still frozen, so they don't get the the death rattle, right? This is true. Um... I guess you haven't been playing the game long enough to uh, remember uh, the horrible, horrible time that winter was way back in the day when Frost Hexers uh, froze all surrounding units. If you're trying to play things and just go around this card and go to like their baseline, this mm-hmm. card is just going to start freezing things on on their baseline and can lock you from playing your runners and, and a lot of different things. So you... You do have to take this thing out at some point. Otherwise, your entire board is going to be completely frozen. <laughs> yeah, smart players are going to find really good and really interesting ways to use this. Um, mm-hmm. Not being a smart player, I look at this and I think to myself, it is cheaper than True Shot. But for one extra mana, wouldn't I rather just clear the unit instead of freezing it? You know, if if I freeze my opponent's unit, they do still have front. They do have the ability to work. They can still, to your point, trade into the tower if it's causing them problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's quite good enough unless it's really something that you're building the deck around and you're going hard on uh, Icicle Burst and Midwinter Chaos and Shivana. And I'm not sure if that's good enough. Mid- Midwinter Chaos, what's the mana cost on it? I'm, I'm four. drawing a blank. Four. four okay. Yeah. So it's actually, so it's interesting that at four mana, it's also very awkward. It um, procs at the beginning of your turn, something that you would like to use maybe to give your Shivana a target. But you want to play this on four, 
So now Giovanna on five, well, normally I would just, you know, icicle Giovanna on five. So, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's still good. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just also kind of, I could have done other things with my mana on four that gave me tempo and then played Icicle Giovanna on five. I'm not getting to play Giovanna earlier. Uh, and the same issue with Midwinter. I'd like to play Midwinter on four, but I can't because when I do that, I don't get the damage part of it, right? Uh, so now I'm playing Midwinter on five, which, okay, what am I doing with the last mana then? Nope, that's fair. It, it's awkward. It's awkward uh, for a reason, because if it were three mana, you could just curve this into Giovanna and just run away with the game. Yes, please. That's what I want. No, no, no. That's what I want. I want it at three mana. Smart players, by the way, are probably going to see this on the board and make sure that their most forward unit is in the same column as the Glacier Palace so that at least it prevents your opponent from playing Giovanna because the the structure is blocking where they want to play. Great point. Great point. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. But either way, it's still going to feel bad uh, regardless of whatever unit you have the most forward um, for them to be able to freeze it and then for you to just be able to icicle burst and then continue your game plan. Well, that's fair. No, it, it, it'll it be interesting. I, I I look forward to seeing some decks with this because um, I'm sure I'm not seeing it right now. I think it's I think it's good. I don't think it's good enough to make the cut in most winter decks, but I would I would be happy to be proven wrong on this because it's a neat card it's a great mechanic i love that the mechanic stays the same from level one to level five you only level it up to increase the strength of the structure but you're not getting any added benefit out of it correct which i I do like those kinds of cards are fantastic because it lets you get good with a card early in your development in the game which i think is really helpful um yeah the podcast being an audio medium you can't see what we're looking at uh, but the card is gorgeous. Check out the patch notes. The art is great on this. Yeah, I, I really wish this had been the temple for winter. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like the, the the winter temple was a dud. And this is just, this is beautiful in comparison. Uh, I'm not talking artist, you know, art wise, although this is beautiful art wise as well. Mm-hmm. I just love the design of this card. Um, all right. So moving on from there, we have uh, an update to the Heroes League. Uh, to make the hero crowns uh, fluctuations smaller, but that means when you know you win how much you win and when you lose how much you lose, uh, the maximum penalty of minus 10 hero crowns for a loss will be uh, instituted. So you can never lose more than 10 crowns. It doesn't matter what the disparity was between you and your opponent. Uh, conversely, the minimum gain. So if Thomas cues into me, <laughs> He only gets uh, right now, maybe, well, actually, he probably gets a little more than two crowns, but but uh, starting in May, he will get a minimum of five crowns for the win. Thomas, what do you think? <laughs> uh, it's really going to change the uh, scoring. Our points will be much, much higher. But the funny thing is, is that everyone is actually going to effectively be at the same ranking in comparison to each other as they currently are just because the way the math works your win rate is is really what dictates where you end up in the league so regardless of whether your scores and all your opponent's scores are going up at the same rate or or down at the same rate if you're all losing or having that same win rate no matter what uh sheepyard does to the uh the way that the scoring system happens people will still end up at the same um rank it's just now it's going to feel better because we physically get to see our numbers going up. 
Yeah, you'll you'll create more distance between you perceived distance, I should say, between you mm-hmm. and let's say number three. Um, but it's only perception because number three, when they go to play, now they're not earning two per win; they're earning a minimum of five per win as well, so they can catch up faster. Yep, so exactly. It's all just changing perception, which brings us to Sabaiku's point, which is <laughs> the points are made up and the score doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely going to lead to a lot of inflation in the scores for sure. I think uh, I don't have the game client open, but you're sitting about 1600 right now, Thomas. Yep. uh, 1618. Yeah. So, I I mean, if this change had been in place for the month, do you think you would have broken 2000? Easily, because I think I had like a 90% win rate. And so, yeah, I would have been gaining... Uh, about six, well, I would have been gaining about 60-ish points a day that I would have been grinding. So 60 times 14 days. Yeah, I would have gained a little over 600 points. So yeah, I would have been probably about 2,200. But then again, all of my uh, opponents in second place and third place that are crawling up right behind me would also be at about the same Of course. Yep. Yep. To me, I look at this change and I think this is actually not going to change the rankings dramatically, although the numbers will change dramatically. Uh, But it does look like it's going to really reward play rate so much more. Oh, true. If you can maintain a win rate of 70%, but play more games than someone who wins at 90%, you're probably going to manage to uh, catch up where before you might not have. Yeah, that is a good point. I didn't, didn't even think about that. Which is, you know, not for nothing, um, a solid idea in a, uh, a a league that has only about 500 players, right? We want to keep our queue times down. So having a scoring system that incentivizes more play, you have to be careful with it. You don't want an unhealthy amount of play from the players. You don't want players feeling like they have to grind multiple, multiple hours every single day just to try to hold rank. But at the same time, Having people incentivized to get on and play a couple more games isn't the worst thing in the world. The queue times lately have been fantastic for me. I don't know how they've been for you two guys, but um, I'd love to see them continue to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Yep. That brings us to the final section of the patch notes, which is the changes to the premium pass. Now, all of us have been logging in and enjoying daily rewards for just showing up. Uh, Some of us have been choosing since January to pay $5 a month. Uh, to get even better rewards every day. Uh, But that premium pass is being completely redesigned. So I'll give you the good news first. There's no more ads if you pay for the premium. That's it. You don't have to watch another ad. The coin cap gets raised to 700 coins daily. You now get to have twice as many friends. Right now you are limited to 100, but if you pay for the premium pass while you're paying, not all the time, just just for the months that you pay, they increase your friend limit to 200 if you're really popular, that might be useful. On top of that, you'll get six extra deck slots for the month. Um, As soon as the month is over, if you don't pay for the premium pass the following month, uh, you cannot touch those decks aside from uh, deleting them. Uh, there is a 10% discount to any of your brawl matches. So that's two gold for the first set of matches and moving on from there. Um, uh, and for any of you who are interested, the uh, Stormbound Kitty Brawl Calculator has actually been updated so you can test it out and see. There is also going to be additional increases to the daily check-in rewards. But here 
is the bad news. It's no longer $5 and there is no $5 option. It's $10, take it or leave it, which still is quite a good value, but not as good of a value as the $5 versions we've been enjoying. Oh gosh. Additionally, by the way, guys, you will be able to put 250 rubies towards three additional deck slots that you can buy, whether or not you're paying for the premium pass for everybody. If you want some more deck slots and you have tons of rubies and you don't want to buy mythics, this is what you can do with them. Oh boy, guys. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sabaiku on this one because we've been starting with Thomas on each. So Sabaiku, uh, how do you feel about uh, the new premium pass? Whew, there's a lot there. Um I will say it, it hurts to spend an extra $5 a month. You do get more quantity of resources for this than you did for the $5 pack. Uh, but the efficiency of the purchase is definitely not there. You know, we have in the past always recommended if you want to spend money on the game, this is the most effective way to do so. It, it still is, but dramatically less so. You know, maybe maybe these changes to the coin cap or the extra deck slots make it worth it for you. That's, that's a personal thing. Um, I will say I don't really particularly like that. That sort of functionality is now limited in the game client to a select club of people who are willing to pay $10 a month. Um, that, that feels bad to me uh, in a way that paying for resources does not. Um, yeah, you know, in the that. same in the same way that purchasing extra deck slots for rubies doesn't feel the same as purchasing uh, in-game profiles for rubies. Like one is functional, one the other is cosmetic. I, I'm not saying that I'm not going to buy it. I, I have uh, been purchasing the premium pass since the inception uh, in December, and I will probably continue to do so just because it's still. Uh, enables faster progression. It's the most effective way to make that happen. But I I am uh, less pleased about it for sure. Throwing five dollars a month is you know coffee money. It's it's really easy, and I don't know why an extra cup of coffee is where I'm feeling like I should draw the line. But it <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely hurts. Thomas, what do you think? So um, I should probably I'll go through each one one at a time. Um, Okay. So like first the uh I mean the the $10 package for for everything that you get. I I never bought any of the $5 packages at all um because oh. based on where I am currently in the game, um none of the the stuff that you got from the premium of $5 rewards were uh worth it to me whatsoever. But the very first time that I've actually been interested in buying it is for the, for the Noah ads. For the amount of games that I grind a month, um I did the math and it looks like I actually watch ads from this game about five hours a month so for ten dollars to, to save on on five hours worth of sitting there doing nothing that's actually pretty tempting understandably so yeah that's a dramatic difference in play rate between you and i like i like <laughs> i like the idea of the no ads just because you know they're annoying they're frustrating they take you out of the game but i mm -hmm. don't think i spend five hours a month watching them well, if you do 20 wins a day for, for the entire month, about a 30-second ad will will add it up. So uh, it's kind of surprising how fast things can add up. So for the very first time ever, I'm actually interested. I'm, I'm probably actually going to buy it just because of the fact that it'll actually save me 
um, so much time over the course of the month. And I mean, I, I play this game to enjoy the game, not not to watch ads. And so that's the reason why I'm interested. Um, and it's, uh, I think uh, a lot of players aren't very happy with this one because for a very long time, quite a few of the updates that Sheepyard has been pushing has been to um, give the majority of the player base um, new things and, and new uh, updates mostly dedicated to the majority. For the past couple months, Sheepyard has finally been focusing on the the people at the uh, end, end game uh, between like Heroes League and, and something like this. So I've got like 900 rubies that I was sitting on at, and had nothing to do with, and so I guess this kind of gets me now into the uh, the extra um, deck slots since I was sitting on them and was just going to convert them over to coins. It's like, well, I, I could use another deck slot or two, so I might throw the uh, the coins towards that. So. Uh, I have a feeling that Sheepyard is yeah, now focusing on, on us a little bit um, because eventually everyone gets to a point where I currently am sitting and, and then they can uh, go back towards uh, the majority of the player base, all you guys. That's a really good way to look at it, you know, not having considered the point of view of the you know max level or close to max level player. The quality of life changes really are worth it on that end uh, and you know, for the rest of us, you're kind of looking at those rubies and thinking, well, I can pay for an extra deck slot or I could buy another few mythic packs and try to boost my collection. It it seems like a no brainer what you want to do with it. Um, but for you, it's a no brainer in the other direction. Yep. <laughs> Is the increased coin cap any relevance to you, though? Yes, absolutely. I've been really? preaching this for the longest time in the world. And people should be focusing on coins no matter what. Like if you've got the coin, the option between the coins in your daily rewards and the two fusion stones, take your coins all day long, every day. Uh, because when you're underleveled, you just want to be buying noble books like crazy. And then when you're even at my uh, stage in the game or uh, Merck's stage in the game where he's got everything, you still want the coins because that allows you to do the brawl, which then allows you to get to the massive amount of fusion stones from the brawl. And that is the highest rate of return oh, that you can possibly get. Right. You're pushing for the 50 fusion stone. Yes, absolutely. That is the absolute end game. And then once you get to that, you can basically get every new card that comes out. I'm not quite at that point yet, but but that's really your true end game is, is being able to get to the 50 fusion stones every single week. Because then if Sheepyard is releasing a new uh, rare every single month, you can basically keep up with that permanently. Now, I will say the the coin cap is definitely geared toward a minority of players, right? Not mm -hmm. everybody is willing to grind the 20 wins a day. Um, and that's, that's just for the 400 coin cap. Now, that by increasing it so dramatically, you're going to spend hours extra in the game client trying to win another 15 games. Well, potentially, they have talked about uh, increasing the gold rewards as you move up into, like, you know, Platinum Diamond Heroes League. Yeah, it sure isn't in this month's patch notes. Nope, nope, hasn't happened. Uh, but if it were, this might be like the first step towards trying to make that more useful, right? Like, because increasing the gold cap, for example, if I I'm, I'm making up numbers here because I don't know what they are, right? But let's say 30% of the players are, 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 are farmers. And if you just give them additional gold per win, then you would lose 
the them as queue times effectively, right? There's fewer players playing after two hours in the morning kind of a thing because they all, you know, they've reached their gold cap for the day and they're done. So if you increase the gold cap, then you incentivize them to stay in the game longer. Uh, and, and so this might be part of the yin and yang of that, right? Is, well, we, we don't want them to not play. We would still want them playing uh, because we want warm bodies to play against kind of a thing. Uh, and, and so, I don't know, this, this might be just part of that process. It might be a two-step process to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything does take coding, so it makes sense not to be able to do everything all at the exact same time. That's, that's the best thing I can come up with for, for the gold cap increasing right now. It just feels like, oh my gosh, I never hit 400. What is 700 going to do for me? <laughs> like I can't value that. I can't put a dollar amount on what I value having a higher gold cap for because I think I've hit the gold cap a total of five times in my entire career. Well, geez. <laughs> so, and, and so if I could have you ever, I, I have hit the gold <gasps> cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times, but definitely fewer than a dozen. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't happen very Probably often. Probably just a handful also, yeah. All right, so so this brings us to the end of the patch notes, which brings up the biggest question of all. Uh, we're here. We just finished, or we're about to finish, the second season of the Heroes League. This is now a little past a year of Sheepyard uh, uh, at the helm a few months after they fully bought it out and took total control. Thomas, how's the game? It's still fantastic. Um, I definitely have some uh, heartburn on Heroes League, but I think Heroes League is totally a grass is greener on the other side. (laughs) Every single um, person that I've pretty much known that has been in Diamond 1 for the longest time has been asking for something like Heroes League, where it's just a free-for-all for first place, and I've been wanting it for the longest time. But now that it's out... It's brutal. <laughs> it's the worst thing I could have ever asked for and got. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely 100%. I, I really think that the, um, the best fix that they can honestly do at some point in the future that they probably will is, is to reduce the total amount of rewards that you get from it. Because right now it is just brutally cutthroat. Like 100 fusion stones for a month of just playing is a, a very, very, very large amount. And so that's why everyone is absolute cutthroat for top spot. But if they reduce it down to one fusion stone, just like as a pity for for <laughs> doing this ridiculousness, then then so be it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, so so you you haven't heard it yet because we haven't released it, uh, but Sabaiku pitched an interesting idea uh, in our previous episode that that these are going to air almost back to back. Okay. Um, and Sabaiku, I'll let you pitch it. Your your idea of the the uh, uh, the sandbox slash competition. Oh, uh, so the idea that I had last time was, what if the Heroes League only ran? for the last week or two weeks of the month and you got the first part of the month to experiment like diamond one used to be you got to test your decks you get to make new decks um and then in the latter part of the month the competition kicks in and it is uh less of a marathon and more of a sprint that is a very cool concept i like that a lot so so i think they've got a lot of ability to uh to change this around but yeah, with the uh, the current state that it is, it's just it's it's brutal. It's a grueling, grueling month, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, hundred percent. 
Again, only for a minority of the players, though. You know, sure, for most no, of us, it, we don't have a max collection. We know that we're not getting near the top 10 anyway. So it's kind of like sit back and enjoy the show. Um, so thank you for suffering for our entertainment because it's been <laughs> yeah. great to watch. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, you should stream your last night so that we can just kind of sit back with popcorn and be like, thank God, this ain't me. That's true. It is tomorrow night, Friday night. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I suppose I could do that. <laughs> how, how about the 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 pace of progress? I, I know that, you know, when Sabaiku came into the game, Sabaiku and I came into the game last year, uh, it was right at the tail end of Paladin's tenure uh, at the helm and nothing was changing. Nothing was being touched, modified. Uh, the game was effectively frozen. Since mm-hmm. Sheepyard has taken over, there has been this sort of steady tick of quality of life improvements, changes, balances, nerfs, new cards added. How do you feel it compares? Is, is, is it disappointing that it's not faster or is it actually this is quite a nice pace? I can keep up. So I, I don't know if I can answer that 100% um, transparently. And that's purely because of the fact that as soon as Sheepyard took over, was about the time that I finally joined the Discord app. So I had been completely in the dark uh, playing the game for about a year and a half, uh, almost two years. Uh, And then, yeah, Sheepyard took over and I joined Discord. So there's so much more transparency in the Discord app, as well as obviously with stormboundkitty.com. And so between those two things, um, it feels like this is about the right amount. But but yeah, I don't know if I can answer it 100% honestly, just because of how in the dark I was um, before joining. Well, that's fair. And, 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 and Subaiku, how about, how about you? There was, there was a lot of excitement, um, especially right around the anniversary. I, I, there was a ton of optimism last year at the game's anniversary. Um, the Sheepyard sale they ran, the promotions, was really, really... Uh, pretty aggressive. Uh, everybody was feeling very good about um, the pace of changes and stuff. Well, the shop offers were pretty good at that point. So people could pay for progress in a way that was dramatically different from what had been done under Paladin. Um, Sheepyard had come in and made, for the most part, um, like really thoughtful and considered changes that uh, had honestly been clamored for for quite some time. You know, uh, one of the earliest Brute Ages episodes was about booming professors. And <laughs> uh, thankfully, that got changed right afterward. Um, so it was no longer as oppressive as it used to be. Uh, so the game was very clearly heading toward a better state at that point. It's been a long time since then. And while the improvements have been steady, I don't know that they've done enough to significantly change the game. I will say... Uh, at this point, the factions are in a much better state of balance than they have been, I think, really uh, since any point that we've been playing the game. Agreed. Agreed. I think that they've done a good job. I wish that progression uh, for individual collections was faster. I don't think that the changes to the premium pass really help to address that. Um We've already gone long today, and I don't need, <laughs> think we need to get into that anymore. <laughs> No, but it's fair. So so the one thing that I will put out there, because I don't have a good answer to this, I have never been part of a video game that kind of fell to its knees and then got bought out and picked up and 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 turned around, right? Um, there's a very good question about how long should we wait 
for Sheepyard's vision to come out because it still feels in a lot of ways like the same game that was there when Paladin was there. Yes, it's being changed and, and, and moved, but it doesn't feel all that much different yet, especially with progression and the economy. It still feels kind of the same. But I don't have a good answer, and I don't know if either of you have ever played in a game or have an experience with a game that was bought out like this and is being turned around. What is a reasonable time frame to expect for that kind of process? Don't all answer at once. <laughs> I don't know that there's yeah. a good answer to that question. I think, yeah. and that's... that's there right. isn't. It's really about how patient you want to be as an individual player, how much trust you have in the developers. Well, and vice versa. Even from the developer's perspective, it's like these people were playing this game because they enjoyed this game. If we change it too much, we may lose all the people that downloaded this game because that's what they wanted. Excellent point. All right. So we're going to have to ride through this card of the week real quick. But because Thomas was so gracious to be our guest, we gave him the opportunity to uh, nominate the card of the week. The card of the week, uh, which is also kind of funny because it's like the card of the last two days, uh, is Big Thrust Tiger, the one and only. It's a neutral. Rarity is rare. It is now two mana. Its strength is one, two, three, four, five across the levels, just like gifted recruits. Its movement is eh, zero-ish, but not always. It has an effect, which is on play, gain movement equal to the number of units in front. So technically, it could be a four movement, depending upon how crazy your opponent's reign is. It has been changed. It started as a four mana, uh, going uh, through the levels four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, in November of uh, 2019, it got changed to three mana, three, four, five, six, seven. So it was like a one bigger West Wind with conditional movement. And then this past October, they changed it all the way down to the two mana gifted recruits that can sometimes move more. Uh, Thomas, why do you want to talk about it? Uh, because it's been absolutely fantastic in uh, my Zuri Swarm deck. And so just needed to point out that it's... Uh, well, okay, there's a lot of all-stars in that deck, but it is definitely one of the best two drafts. Only Saber Paws, Wild Saber Paws is better in that deck. And you you get that conditional movement, and so if you want to set up a really good uh, Dark Harvest turn, you can set it in a spot where it's not going to move and accidentally uh, attack into an opponent's unit. Um, but then other times during the other points of the game, if you need to be able to attack into a, your opponent's unit, you get to have that uh, ability with Big Thrust. So any deck that plays Dark Harvest wants to play Big Thrust Tiger. It is literally better gifted recruits in any of those decks. So fantastic card. All right. Well, there it is. That's going to end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time to remind you to contact us, preferably in our channel in the Stormbound Discord server. You can always do it on Twitter at BroodSages or email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. Uh, we also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. We started a few months ago a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. So from there, I think it's just time to say goodbye. So that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated. Thanks, Thomas.